You're listening to The Bible for Normal People, the only God-ordained podcast on the internet. Serious talk about the sacred book. I'm Pete Enns. And I'm Jared Bias. Well, welcome everyone to this episode of The Bible for Normal People. Before we get started, I wanted to mention a course that we're going to be offering here in the next few weeks, and uh, it's going to be called Is the Bible True? And I'm going to be the one facilitating this one. We've had some others in the past that that Pete has led us through, but we're going to be talking Is the Bible True? And so we're going to look at passages that have contradictions with other passages in the Bible, look at those uh, difficult passages like Jonah and Genesis, and ask the question, is this true? And in in what ways can we talk about the Bible being true and maybe not being true? And as you know, we're not going to come out with easy answers. We'll probably end up with more questions than we have answers, but we're definitely going to dig in to some of those passages and some of those questions and uh, and have a hopefully a more uh, rich and full understanding of of those two questions we ask in every course and in every episode. What is the Bible, and what do we do with it? So if you'd like to check that out, just go to thebiblefornormalpeople.com front slash course, and you can see it there. Click on that one, or click on one of the other ones that Pete has taught in the past. The main thing for us is that you uh, continue to learn about the Bible and learn with other people and keep the conversation going. Well, it's that time, folks. It's time for us to talk about microdosing. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Microdosing can help you get into a relaxed, focused zone easier and stay there longer. It has benefits for workout recovery, sleep, anxiety relief, boosting creativity, and even pain relief. You know, Jared, I have a really good friend of mine who saw that I was taking microdose gummies and she said, can I try some? And so I gave her some of the sativa strand and she said it has made such a difference for her at work. And just in general, just feeling more alert and more focused. And it's quite amazing. So get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code normal people. That's one word. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code normal people for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code normal people. Introducing Bluehost Cloud. Ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Our topic today is truth is subjective even in the Bible, horrors, oh no, that can't be. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we have to keep up with this uh, we're heretics yeah. theme we have been going on so. for the last few years. It's so. what people are expecting. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit um, about truth and subjectivity and the Bible because we get we do get a number of questions of, you know, is the Bible true or what is truth or where is truth? If we get rid of certainty, which you know mm-hmm. a thing or two about, then... What, do you like being known as the guy who knows things about certainty? I feel like that's probably what people come to you like now about. Well, they always make jokes like, are you certain? 
No. Okay. Mm-hmm. You didn't read the book. So uh, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk a little um, about like truth. truth and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, because it's not just, you know, what is truth, but don't you believe in truth when you make certain statements about the Bible, this or that? So it does come up a lot. And one thing, you know, Jared, is – I mean, is it safe – is it a good question to ask what is truth? I mean, I know that Pilate asked that of Jesus or whatever, and, and that's like – that's the first place people go. You sound just like Pilate. <laughs> I don't believe how unfaithful you are, but it's not a bad question. It's like what 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 do we mean by that? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we – the. The idea of truth is in the Bible a lot. I mean, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh. And hmm. there's all kinds of things about truth. And and not only that, but I think growing up, that's kind of what Christianity became about. It was mm-hmm. sort of the portal into feeling really safe because we know what's true. Right. And if you know what's true, then you can navigate the world really well. And that's really what it was about. Is basically, if you know the truth, you can be more in control. Which still leaves undefined what truth is, obviously, but and and whether what Jesus, whatever Jesus means by that, is what we sort of freight that word with today. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I I tend to, and I, I had a podcast about this in the I don't remember when it was at some point last year about uh, these kind of different meanings of truth. So we can start there okay. around truth as I, I break it down into three things. I know this is more complicated than what I'm going to say. Um, but that's this is the Bible for normal people for crying out loud. <laughs> but really, we can think about it in three different ways. Kind of truth as facts. So, what are facts about the facts about the world? We call that like what represents reality accurately. Mm-hmm. And if it represents reality accurately, we call that true. Right. So there's truth as facts. Um, but then we often, and this is where I feel like people who are more spiritual can be like ships passing in the night with scientists because there's also something where we say meaning is true. Like whenever we read Aesop's fables and we read the tortoise and the hare, we say, oh man, that's really true. That's a true story. We're not saying that's factual. We're not saying that there really was a tortoise and a hare. We're saying it's saying something true about what it means to be human. Um, And that's what you mean by like meaning. Meaning. Yeah, it means something true to me. It resonates deeply in me as something mm-hmm. true about what it means to be human in the world. Okay. And I, that's an important component of this because I think meaning uh, doesn't exist without humans. Hmm. There's no truth apart from like our perceiving it? Is that, or, or well, just that mean? like we can't, uh, meaning itself, something doesn't mean something if unless there's a people. human who means it, right? It, it, it implies intention. Huh. So we have if if a meaning falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, <laughs> it's not meaning. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's a great. I mean, I think it's a great distinction because I, I like to talk about facts are what would be true if everyone were dead, right? So if you take all humans out, we still have facts, but that's not true about meaning. If you take all humans out, you lose all meaning. Meaning is a very human endeavor. Yeah. So and then the third thing I would talk about because this is where the Bible comes into it is truth as as wisdom, truth as living out those meanings and those facts, right? So we have facts and we have meaning and we're all we're always trying to like figure out how we're navigating those two worlds. But actually what we produce in our life is true, right? So if you say, are you living truly? Think of more of an adverb. Are you living in truth, right? So John actually in the Bible is really big on this. If you read first, second, and third John, which I think combined are like 
two pages. This very short book. Right. Yeah. But I think three or four times uh, he says, you know, I take great joy in hearing that my children are walking in the truth. So that's that walking in the truth. What does it mean? And there's something about that, that embodiment that the Bible is after. So, so that doesn't just mean like I'm walking around and I have all the right answers. Yeah. And I think that's that, what we – That kind of truth. Right. 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 Okay. And I think our seminary experiences would have lent more toward that. Like walking in the truth meant walking around with the truth. Yeah. Like you own it right. as a possession, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if it's walking, there's a movement there. And so just like I would say uh, our friends DC Talk, those great theologians of the 20th century had this song called Love is a Verb. I would kind of say truth is a verb. Like mm-hmm. truth is a thing that we do. It's a, it's a thing that we live out. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what John's trying to get at, that we walk in the truth and he says in First John, I think, uh, chapter 3, he's not supposed to love by what we say, but by what we do. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes into a lot of this walking in the truth uh, language as well. So, anyway, that's that third piece is really truth as, as wisdom or embodiment. And it's really hard to talk about because the whole point of it is when you're behaving truly, you're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. You're doing it. And that that's, I mean, we have this word subjectivity in the title of right. the podcast. It looks like we're moving from fact, which I guess we can talk about whether there's subjectivity in facts, but there's a heck of a lot more right. in wisdom and, and meaning too, mm-hmm. right? And that's – those things are seen as opposites, truth right. and subjective. That's the opposite. Truth is objective. There's no, there's no wishy-washiness. There's no – we don't we don't interfere with that stuff. Yeah, and that seems that's I think an overly simplistic. We just don't use truth that way. Hmm. It's, it's overly simplistic. Um, and each one of these, like when we think of the Bible, in each of these categories, we could ask the question like, like when we say is the Bible true? I think we have to break it down. What do we mean by that? Are we talking about facts? Because hmm. then you know I would ask you, Pete, like, is the Bible true when it comes to facts? Yeah, I, I guess I, I'd want to get a little wishy-washy and just probe what that person means even by fact, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not – what is a fact, <laughs> right? And yep. and But I, I think it would be hard to – I mean, the way I think people normally think of facts and things like that, I have to say, well, listen, interesting question, but let's talk about how the Bible is acting and then mm-hmm. see what words we can use to describe it. Like, it's hard to – speak of factuality when you have these different histories of the Old Testament, right? Or you have the Gospels that don't agree on things, and you have two creation stories at the beginning that have things in different order. So uh, right away that raises a question of like, is fact, it may be a desired category for some for the Bible, but is it actually, is it there? Or is it there in some places and not in other places? Right. Well, what what I'm hearing you say is maybe... If the purpose of the Bible isn't to give us fact, it may incidentally give us facts from here here and there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may get some things right, mm-hmm. but if that's not the purpose, we shouldn't expect to see it always. Right. Because, uh, you know, the Bible is interpreted facts, let's put it that way, and and we're seeing – the angles of different writers. And again, if you want to say it's God's angles, that's fine, but there's still various angles because there are different people writing this stuff. And those various angles that you you start getting into why the Bible may be more interested in things like meaning and wisdom rather than 
right. facts because people – I think what people mean when they say, is the Bible factual? Is like, did things happen? Yeah, it's a okay. historical question. Yeah, that's a historical question. And right? interestingly, you know, you and I were reading uh, along with some folks in our book study this book by Joel Baden on the historical David. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he does a good job of kind of looking at the Bible and judging it according to this category of truth as fact. And mm-hmm. he's he's almost flippant about it, which is probably what you get when you're a historian mm-hmm. and you're looking at the Bible as a historian, where he's just kind of like, it's like a rummage sale. And he's yeah. like <laughs> holding it up like, yep, that Bible story is completely yeah. inaccurate historically. Here's why. Yeah. And here's this. And he says it with such confidence. And, you know, I think what you were getting at earlier is like it's complicated because other people might say, well, it could be true. It could be historically accurate. How do you know? Mm-hmm. You weren't there. Right. Which is true, but I think Joel would kind of say, yeah, but given how we do history, all signs point to this not being true. Mm-hmm. And so we think of In coming the sense to of factual. Right, right. Of, of factual, historically accurate reporting mm-hmm. of the facts. Right. And I think that's important because when we go to the Bible, I think a lot of people would be really uncomfortable with that. Right. Um, and then so. I know for my tradition, if we can make it historically accurate, we will. Yeah. Like if there's any chance that this did happen, it's more important that we just opt for that option rather than following what historians do with text to determine if it's it actually like It's happened. the prime option to find factuality. Right. And that way we tend to define it in the Bible because that's – it just has to be that way. Otherwise – well, what can we rest on in terms of our knowledge and our certitude about the faith? If if we can't, quote, trust the Bible to give us facts, then what's it there for? And that's that's sort of like the modern conundrum, which a lot of Christians are participating in that way of thinking. They're actually very modern people. I'm not sure, you know, in the medieval period or the early church, they would have thought quite like this. You know, that seems to be a more of a well, I'm not we, a philosopher, but yeah, it came about modern. through, of course, the Enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what became of that was, oh, that dreaded Enlightenment, <laughs> always, getting always in the way, getting in the way, of, making our lives difficult. Yeah, I know, giving us things like cell phones and cures for <laughs> major sicknesses. Yeah, darn that Enlightenment. Darn that Enlightenment. Uh, so it always comes with the good and the bad. But I think one of the negatives was we went on this trajectory for like 500 years or more of trying to figure out at root is there anything certain that we can rest on are there any incontrovertible facts about the world that we can rest on and that became like what everyone was obsessed with in the enlightenment period and basically it came out that no there isn't (laughs) there isn't anything yay (laughs) so the whole modern project then kind of flipped to the postmodern project really Mm. quickly in that time. But yeah, that became what then the popular people became just as obsessed with that Mm -hmm. of, is there any incontrovertible facts that we can sort of build off of? And before that, people just didn't care that much. And that's, I mean, that's called foundationalism. That's right. right. That's when you have this foundation of facts that you can build like knowledge off of. And And we were trying to find the one at the bottom that everything builds off of. And that's where we get, you know, if anybody has ever heard of Descartes, mm. I think, therefore, I am. I was actually just thinking of that, and I know nothing. So, anyway. You got yeah, it. I, I think, therefore, that's the baseline. That's what he, yeah. that he kind of, he was like, no, no, you guys, everyone before Descartes, he said, you guys got it all wrong. What's at the root of this is mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. therefore, I am. 
And and that's part of a quest for certainty. That right? absolutely, that, yeah, okay, yeah, it's a quest mm-hmm. for certainty. Yeah. And then when that project failed, um, and then he built back up after that. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to build a world based on I think, therefore I am. Okay, if if I think, therefore I am. Interestingly, for Descartes, is he got to I think, therefore I am, and like within one or two steps of that, he had to bring God back into it ah. to make sense of everything. Interesting. Yeah. So it kind of didn't work out the way he was hoping. Mm-hmm. for it to work out. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with that, Their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee is amazing. They offer free plant consultation forever. We got our bushes in, and you can tell I don't know what I'm talking about because I just call them bushes. But we got them in last night. And Fast Growing Trees knows what they're called. Exactly. That's the whole point. It comes with this placard that tells you exactly what to do like you were in fifth grade, which is the exact instruction (laughs) level that I needed. And it was very easy to follow. We loved the process. This spring, they have their best deals online up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code NORMALPEOPLE at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code NORMALPEOPLE at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code NORMALPEOPLE. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. A calling is a powerful thing. It's a very strong belief that there is something bigger for you. It's about who you are and where you're going in life. You may be in college, you may be halfway through a career, but you want something different. There's a place for you at Union Presbyterian Seminary, where students are prepared for a call to ministry. At Union, you will find a diverse community. You'll find students from different denominations and professors who will listen to you and challenge you. You'll find people who help you find your own path. You'll find a school where financial realities matter. Union offers generous financial aid, and it meets you where you are with three different platforms for learning, residential, online, and hybrid. You'll find a world-class faculty who will invest in you, a community long after you graduate that supports you and equips you for service and for leadership. Safwat Marzuk, who has been on the podcast here on The Bible for All People, is a faculty at Union Presbyterian Seminary and is slated to write one of our upcoming commentaries. It's no secret, if you're a listener to the podcast, how much Pete and I have relied on our seminary education and how much that has shaped our view of the world and all of our work here at The Bible for Normal People. It's your call. Respond with Union Presbyterian Seminary. To learn more, go to upsem.edu or email admissions at upsem.edu. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's... At root, I think it's this human need or desire for safety in a world that feels really uncertain and chaotic Mm -hmm. um, is why we're looking for facts. We can only assume God agrees with that. And so the Bible we have is going to give us factual Mm -hmm. information. Right. Right. Yeah. So if we move on then from facts, so if you say, is the Bible true? And we're looking at facts, the answer is yes and no. Mm -hmm. There are certain parts of the Bible that are factually accurate, like historically accurate, and there are parts that aren't. But we have to ask what you said, well, was the Bible even trying to do that? Like, mm-hmm. in some ways, I, the more I get into this, I feel like the Bible is just historically accurate almost by accident sometimes. Or it's, I mean, accu- I'm not sure if accurate's the best word, because even with the Bible, it's more, 
there's a historical plausibility. There's a plausibility. There's a kernel of, there. There's a kernel. There's a there's a um, the possibility of historical plausibility or likelihood. But even that, I mean, you know, you mentioned the book by Joel Baden that we're reading on David. There are a lot of things in there that he will say, well, clearly something happened here. The thing right. is that the way the story is told, it's not interested in reporting facts like you might if you're just saying – you know, it is 9 a.m. and I get out of bed. That's like factual, right? Mm -hmm. But the Bible's not doesn't seem to be interested in doing that. So, you know, there's yeah. So, but yeah, the Bible it, has facts and it's in there, right? But it's not designed to give us that kind of knowledge. Yeah, I and I think that leads right into meaning because mm -hmm. I think the Bible is rife with that agenda. Oh yeah, prove it. Of <laughs> like how. <laughs> Well, just thinking, you know, we talked about David and the agenda there. There's clearly an agenda to position him as the rightful king and to position his story as such that he was – that's the meaning we're supposed to get from these stories. Okay. And when we think about the king's narrative, I go back to King Manasseh, which we talk about quite a bit. There's a reason, there's a meaning there for that story mm. that would have impacted the Israelites um, or the Jews, I guess. Would they have been called Jews by the time we get to Chronicles? By the time we get to Chronicles, Chronicles yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, so the Israelites or the Jews, there's a different meaning that's meant mm -hmm. for these audiences, which explains why it's shaped in the way that it is. Mm. What the authors are searching for is meaning. They're not searching for facts. Right. And so that's why we can shape facts in a certain way to achieve a certain meaning. And are you saying then to achieve a meaning for us? Right? Which, of course, what other kind of meaning is there? It's not just floating around out there. It's it's how it's sort of bringing this stuff into some. I'm trying not to use the word meaning, but you know, into like some sense of uh, significance or significance, value. Yes, yeah, significance or value. But not never in the abstract, but actually for us as real people and real communities. And you just named, I think, perfectly the difference between facts and meaning. Mm. Facts are those things floating out there. That's what's true if everybody were dead. That's what I like to say. Mm. Meaning always has to be a part of the fabric of the here and now. And so, so we can ask all kinds of questions of what did it mean back then, which is really just a way of saying – how did it impact or what value or significance did it have for that group of people? Mm. And we can ask, what does it mean for me now? It's always a two-way street. Right. Because right? meaning is really communication. And I think what's, what's hitting me here is I'm just thinking of like biblical examples of how biblical writers are telling stories of the ancient past, but they're not telling it to just here's what happened way back when, but here's – how it helps give us a vision and a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning for who we are now. You know, like, I mean, great examples in Genesis are like the story of Abraham. Scholars have looked at this in great detail. It's like, this is like David previewed, right? So, so the story of the past is told not simply about the past, but it's saying something of meaning and a value and significance for the present. And you could multiply that many, many times over, I think, in both testaments. You know, the way Paul uses the Old Testament is not like, what did it mean? It's like, what's the significance of this for us right now in this moment that we live in? Yeah, it's, it's the difference between what did it mean and what does it mean. Mm -hmm. And those are both valid right? because when I look at something, then I want something of significance or value from it. Mm -hmm. I'm asking, what does it mean to me? And I think that's, that's valid. 
if we assume, though, that the only possible meaning is the meaning that it has for me, I think then we run afoul. And that's where okay. if we don't accept that truth is subjective in this sense, and we'll talk about in another sense, mm-hmm. then we, if, if we don't think that all theology has an adjective, if we don't think it has a slant, if we don't understand that all meaning also comes from what I put on it, mm-hmm. then we can make the mistake that, that you have to have this meaning be the same as I have this meaning. It has to mean the same thing to you and me. There's only one valid meaning. Hey everyone, my name is Matt Sutton from Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm part of the producers group here at the Bible for Normal People. One thing I've appreciated about this podcast is its balance in making things anew, not just tearing down the old. If you've gotten something from this free podcast, I want to take a moment to mention how you can support Pete and Jared in their work. This podcast is brought to you by supporters on the Patreon platform. For as little as $1 per month, you can be part of the group that brings this podcast to normal people everywhere. As a gift for your support, we have book studies, chat groups, and lots of videos from Pete and Jared. So check it out at patreon.com slash the Bible for normal people. If you aren't able to support the show financially, go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. That can go a long way to help others find us. One group in particular we want to thank is our producers group, who work hard to tell Pete and Jared where they're messing up and how to do better. Thanks to Kristen Bachman, Caleb Needens, Lelia Fry, J.E. Burke, and Eric Latassi. The Bible for Normal People couldn't happen without you. Now, back to the podcast. So I can I can hear a question coming up yeah. from from people, I mean, who are listening, well-intentioned people, who would say, okay, th- do you need facts at all for meaning? Or can you just create meaning out of fantasy or out of pure fiction? Do, do you need to have – like, is there a tie between fact and meaning in the Bible? What do you think? I mean, that's a hard question to answer. Yeah, I think there I'm are. I'm glad I'm not asking myself that question. <laughs> I think it has to be because for whatever reason, I think of it as like we walk around in the dark – in our living room, right? And we have a clear goal we're trying to get to. We can't just go any way that we want Mm -hmm. because there's like objects in the way that we're going to stub our toe on. And that's facts. Like you go outside and you stand in front of a bus, you're going to die. That's a fact. You can't just fabricate a meaning that, ooh, you know, uh, I believe or you know what this means to me is I'm not ever going to die or something completely fabricated. Um, So there are facts. It just... It's more a matter of emphasis that I think we've okay. be, we have made facts the refrigerator, if you will, in that analogy. Hmm. That that's really the goal. Well, no, facts are what we have to deal with mm-hmm. in the everyday in order to create meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think meaning and wisdom really go together as how we navigate the facts of the world, mm-hmm. right? So we can't get do away with the facts, but how I arrange the furniture in the dark, how I make my way how I create paths, that I'm creating meaning. Mm-hmm. And there's many different ways to do that. So, I mean, can we still get meaning from, I mean, not to press the point too much, but I'm just thinking of how I think about stuff and how people ask questions. Can you can you say, listen, I used to think this story here was factual, but I don't think it is. I think it's a story created by a writer. Can we still get meaning from that? Although I imagine the creation of the story is a fact. In a sense, it's it's not a historical fact, but it's still it's something that still constrains constrains the discussion somehow. Yeah, it is a parameter for the it's discussion. It's a parameter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I think there are. Yeah, I mean, every story contains. 
Well, it's re- it doesn't necessarily have to contain facts, mm-hmm. but if it's communication, then it has some parameters, like language that we can all understand. Mm-hmm. I, I think a great example, maybe of what you're talking about, is either Genesis or like the book of Jonah, Yeah, where... You know, for me, growing up, Jonah was like, the whole point is to prove, I don't know why we were obsessed with this, but the whole point was to prove that someone could survive in the belly of a fish or a whale for three days. Because Jesus said that, right? He did. <laughs> right. As mm-hmm. Jonah was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we were obsessed with that idea. Mm-hmm. And so, we thought, that's where we thought, again, the goal is the refrigerator, like, that, that facts are the refrigerator. Like, the whole goal, the point of this story, what it means is, man, God has done this miracle so that someone can live inside the belly of a fish and but now i don't read the story that way Mm. and it can mean all it can mean a lot of really wonderful things about what it means to be human in the world Mm -hmm. and what god's trying to teach us about how we uh treat our neighbors Mm -hmm. and for me that's way more impactful for me like Mm -hmm. the fact that someone can survive in a whale for three days affects my life zero Mm -hmm. I, it doesn't affect my life in any way, shape, or form. But however, could it mean something significant for someone, say, who's waiting for a miracle, who needs mm-hmm. a miracle in their life? Mm. I think that could be really significant to them. Right. It could mean something mm. really important to them. And I can say, well, I think that's a, I don't, I don't know if that's a, probably a wise interpretation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good meaning to have. Yeah. But that's where it gets messier. But that yeah. person can have that meaning where I would say, no, what it means to me is how can, I need to be overly gracious to my to my enemies, that God even shows grace to Israel's enemies. Mm-hmm. And, and how enraged do I get when we show grace and mercy right. to the worst of us? People don't like. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the story of Jonah is, I mean, I think we can use maybe factual in the sense that, I mean, I'm just riffing here, but okay, it didn't happen. Right. It's a parable. Right. But it's a parable that's still set in a certain – within historical parameters like there's Assyria, Nineveh and things like that. That gives it a sense of concreteness, I guess. But it's not – the factual truth of Jonah, in other words, is not limited to whether or not it happened. So in that sense, we have to think of fact a little bit differently. It's the storytelling at a certain time that's an act of – like Job, Right. Job is true. Job didn't happen. Yes. You know what I mean? So right. that's I mean so mm-hmm. and and I guess but I guess why the question, is Job true? Exactly. And 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 not because it's factually true as if if no one were there it would still be a fact, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's right. it's something else and maybe that you can't really tie to fact. It's just it's a meaning truth right. and it's a wisdom truth. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, we it does break down at some point when you say like well you know is are there ninevites in the story of jonah like is that a fact well i i guess i mean you could kind of say that yeah. but it's it's really saying something that's that's true in that sense but i think that's not what i mean when i'm talking about truth as facts right right that's just i'd say that's yeah. the setting of the story so so biblical truth isn't dependent even if there are facts there, the way we normally use the word, it's not dependent on everything being factual in that sense. Right. It's still true. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And I would say it propels us toward meaning. You are so liberal. <laughs> you you need mean? to accept Jesus into your heart, Jared. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> no, it's true. It's just like I mean, literally. No, factually, yeah, literally, factually. I need to actually, <laughs> open up. Here's a knife. So yeah. So, so but then I, I would go then to that third because I think what happens <clears throat> is we get caught up in all of this uh, language. Right. Is it facts? Is it meaning? We get caught up in that as though that's the most important thing. And I, I, when I talk about fact, for me, I think I want to bring us back to the Bible's really not that interested in facts or meaning as much as it is in wisdom mm. and like lived out truth. And the Bible, in, as far as I've read it, doesn't really ever ask itself or try to prove to itself that it's full of facts mm-hmm. or even necessarily that it's full of meaning. It doesn't necessarily call us to those things as much as it calls us toward wisdom mm-hmm. and a life of, of love in the New Testament. Yeah. And that, for me, is where the emphasis should be. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So how about some examples here of, of how it does that or where it does that? Or Yeah. So when I think about what's – I mean, even the, the Old Testament law mm. and, and the wisdom literature, mm. it's, it's actually pointing beyond itself. Mm-hmm. It's not pointing to beliefs. It's not point. It's pointing to behaviors and mm-hmm. how we interact with God and our neighbors. And this is why Jesus sums it up in in Matthew twenty two. Like, well, what are the two greatest? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And so there we have sort of the culmination of what all these words and all these facts and stories and are they historically accurate or are they meaningful? That's good grist for the mill. Mm-hmm. But what comes out of that? is are you loving God, are you loving your neighbor as yourself? And that's wisdom. Right? And that's that, wisdom. That's a wisdom thing, yeah. loving God, loving others. Okay. Because and loving not, yourself, too. Well, wisdom, yeah. we think about wisdom, and you, you would know more, obviously, than me about this, but I think of wisdom as like the learning from experience and t- over time the nuances of how to live well. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to say love people, like I think that's going to take a lifetime of wisdom to figure out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you figured it out? Uh, no. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you mentioned the law, and I think that's a good thing to sort of see wisdom at work because it seems like – this seems like very factual in a sense, like just do this, don't do this, and it's like black and white. But when you have, you know, in Exodus, Hebrew male slaves can go free in the seventh year, but female Hebrew slaves may not. And then Deuteronomy, very emphatically, male and female Hebrew slaves can go free. And then Leviticus – you know what? You shouldn't have Hebrew slaves at all because we were slaves in Egypt. Now you can enslave other people, but you cannot. They can be hired workers, but they can't be enslaved. So it's almost like we're seeing over across time, and, and you know when these things were written relative to each other is a tricky thing. But we see across time maybe something like what you were saying before, Jared, like a development almost. Can I say a maturation, even a little bit of like maybe okay, slave laws are horrible, but a more humane better way of loving your neighbor as yourself kind of thing. You know, may, maybe. Right. And so and even the law, because it's so diverse and varies so much, that maybe there's something going on there more than just do this. Maybe there's like you have to take the whole trajectory and sort of like where does this trajectory go? Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and, and so that we don't seem like we are – what do you call it? 
um, whenever you displace Judaism and yeah. say that Christianity is better. Supersessionism. Supersessionism, yeah. 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 I just have a little story about that because you talk about a maturation over time. So the Bible is developing. Mm-hmm. And really, modern Judaism would sort of end in the holy books of the the Talmud and rabbinic literature, and we have the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of using the same thing, but that's not where the development ends. Mm -hmm. And I would say in Judaism, it continues to develop toward this ethic or life of love, just as much as, you know, Jesus would in the New Testament. I love this um, story in the Talmud where these rabbis are arguing about some teaching, and the, the person who's talking says, you know, this person interpreted it this way, and this school interpreted it that way. And they were trying to figure out which one, and so they asked God, and a voice from heaven came and said, which one of these is correct? And the voice from heaven said, the school of Hillel. Why? Is it right? No, they're both right. It's just that when they taught it, they taught the opposing view as well as their own. <laughs> right. And so yeah. it's, again, that kind of like, <laughs> yeah. it's the law of love. Like, which mm-hmm. one's right? Well, the one that has tangible love behind it, mm-hmm. that's the one that's right. And we see that, again, it's it develops over time. They're mm-hmm. taking from the same kind of books and scriptures that we are to develop yeah. into this. I, I mean, the flip side of that too is is love, and I think the flip side of that is humility, which is also a wisdom trait. And the way to show love is to begin with humility. And so you show humility by seeking the wisdom of the other, even if you might disagree with them, right? So Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay. when you talk about this progression, like facts and meaning and wisdom – Wisdom is like learning over time how to navigate the world well. It almost has built into it this idea of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Like if we could just if we could just go on a dig and discover all the facts about how to be human in the world, we wouldn't have to have all these cuts and scrapes and scars mm-hmm. from making mistakes and doing it wrong. There'd be no therapist through <laughs> through all of our lives, right? <laughs> and so you know, facts can't be all that we've made them out to be. Mm -hmm. Because facts are what's true if nobody's here. Facts are not a human endeavor. I can know all the facts in the world and that doesn't help me navigate the world well as a human being. Mm -hmm. That takes making meaning and over time kind of assimilating that into a way of life. And that's really wisdom. Yeah, and if we limit truth to facts and say that's the most important thing to humans, it's almost like making us into machines and really it's really subhuman it's less than human because we are we're complex people and we all want meaning and we want all want to be at peace with the world around us which is also sort of a wisdom idea mm-hmm. and yeah so the bible i guess you're saying points us in that direction yeah and the whole discussion of truth as just fact is really limiting that's a great way. I think yeah. that's a great way of phrasing it. I think it's limiting. Mm-hmm. I think it's not – it's a great – like, don't misunderstand, I think, what we're talking about, which is facts aren't important. Mm-hmm. That's my quip about the Enlightenment gave us technology <laughs> and medicine, and those are great. Mm-hmm. They have their place, and we should respect the process that has built around those to give us the truths that we rely on to do amazing things in the world. Mm-hmm. But as far as a tool for creating meaning or living lives of wisdom, those processes, the scientific processes, don't always yield the results that we want. Yeah. And so if we are trying to squeeze the Bible into that process, we're disrespecting, I think, the intention mm-hmm. of the book, but we're also <laughs> going to be sorely disappointed in the results. <laughs> right. So The Bible is just not really malleable for that sort of thing. It's just too wild. 
It's too wild. It's untamable. It's it's too it's too human in the best sense of the word. It's too all over the place, and you can't just capture that in a formula, yeah, or something. So, well, and, yeah. and before we end, I have to give a shout out to my my man Soren Kierkegaard because he really came to this two hundred years ago. Um, he has this. If you've heard this famous phrase, "Truth is subjectivity," and mm. people sort of rail against Kierkegaard as being someone who started this trend toward postmodernism. Yeah. All he meant by that was. In order for something to be true, it has to be lived out. Mm-hmm. And he railed against the church, for him is the Danish church, mm-hmm. for saying, oh, you guys just teach doctrine all the time. Mm-hmm. Where is the life, the life force of this? Mm-hmm. Truth is living it out as a subject. So it's it's me embodying what I say I believe rather than just you know sitting behind a computer and typing out my opinions And without that, you don't really have Christianity. You have something that's dead. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he have a phrase around that or something about Christianity being dead or something like that? Doesn't he? Oh, he has. He has lots of a lot of quotable <laughs> phrases that yeah, most uh, pastors in his day were not pleased with. Probably, so. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Was well, there anything? I think we've we shut the book on on truth. Finally, I mean, we've nailed it. Finally, we've nailed it. This is the last podcast that will ever be needed on the on the content on the con- of truth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, to that, I mean, I, we say that tongue in cheek, but I think that's ultimately. Through the years as I've I've kind of studied truth and studied the Bible, I've come to the realization that you talked about humility, and I think that's ultimately the quest for certainty is a lack of humility. Hmm. It's not okay. it's not understanding that we only have certain tools to work with. Some people fall in despair because they say, Oh, this is all we have to work with and it's because they've set up this expectation that doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, like with science and with other things, we don't need certainty. We can't have it. Mm -hmm. But look at the amazing things that we can have. That with the the process, I trust the process. When leading scientists, when the people who have built incredibly sophisticated pieces of technology that we carry around in our pockets that can do all kinds of things or whenever they can successfully transplant lungs – and all the, I think they got the truth about some things, mm-hmm. really important things. And so I'm more likely to listen or trust that process mm-hmm. when they say things about climate or other things that I frankly have to trust them because I'm just not smart enough to yeah. know. Yeah. And I think the Bible, it's the same way. Like if we go to it looking for certainty, we're going to be disappointed, but can we trust a process? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the Bible scholars that we have on here as a field as people dedicated and passionate about this study have come up with some pretty reliable ways of interpreting this text Mm -hmm. that can yield lots of fruitful things. And thinking of truth in these three ways, I think maybe we can relax a little bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) about always looking for things in that first kind of way of truth and maybe, you know, be more compassionate towards ourselves and towards other people who might see truth a little bit differently. I guess that's the whole Love your neighbor as yourself kind right. of thing, right? So, yeah. Right. And, and just realize that when we're arguing about truth, we may be arguing about completely different things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we nailed it. We nailed it. All right, man. Okay. See you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening in on that conversation about truth and the Bible. We did want to say there's an opportunity to continue this conversation next week. We're launching our next online course. We've had a few in the past. Jesus and the Old Testament and what is God like that Pete has taught. 
This will be the first one that I'll be teaching, Is the Bible True? So we'll be talking about the things we talked about in this episode of the podcast, but we're going to go more in depth and have a chance for some back and forth question and response conversation as we dig more into some of the biblical texts that talk about truth, talk about cultural trends, talk about how it all matters for us in our everyday life. So if that's something that's of interest to you, go to thebiblefornormalpeople.com front slash course, and you can sign up today. Again, this starts April 8th, so if you did want to join, you might want to hurry up to the website and sign up today. All right, we'll see you next time.